Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm Dave, I'm here with Emily, and we are talking today to Meet Bagdev, who's a principal product manager at Amazon Web Services, working on Amazon Key Spaces. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. Excited to have you. So let's talk a little bit about your journey to product management. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for folks who don't know me, my, my name is Meet. I've uh, been at AWS for a little more than three years, um, currently on the Amazon Keyspaces team as their product lead. Uh, but I wasn't always a product manager. So I think just kind of going back in time of what got me into product and, uh, you know, what my background looks like. So I used to be an Android developer, yeah. you know, right out of college, made some made some fun Android apps in, in L.A. And I think it had a friend who had just joined Microsoft at that point as a product manager. And, you know, we were just kind of hanging out, talking one day about comparing notes as to what each of us does. And and he kind of shared what he does and he was a product manager at Microsoft and, you know, kind of seemed very interesting. And it's like, hey, that sounds like a, like a fun gig and tried to learn more about it, researched it a little bit more online, talked to a few other product managers and figured I'll give it a shot. Uh, fortunately, you know, they felt like I'd be I'd be an all right product manager and started my product journey at Microsoft about 10, nine years ago. Um, mm. And yeah, and ever since then have been doing product for databases and analytics and absolutely love it. I think one of the interesting things is it's, it's you know, having kind of seen both sides of the of the world as an engineer and as a product manager, I think having that background really helps you kind of speak the language of the customers and speak the language of the engineers. And I think it's really going to hit the sweet spot for me, which which I absolutely enjoy in my That's current true. role. That balance. Exactly. What kind of, uh, you know, I love that. Yeah, I agree. And what kind of Android apps? The reason I ask is I have worked on many mobile platforms, including Win uh, Windows Phone was one of those uh -huh. uh, platforms, and Fire Phone. Uh, oh, and wow. I helped launch Windows Phone while at Microsoft. And I would work. That's how I learned how to do Android. Uh, in fact, when I joined Amazon in 2013, it was to help Android developers take their APKs and move them onto the Amazon App Store. And so in seeing, like back then, you know, it was one or two people. Most of these people I were talking to, even, even um, what was that? Was it Crossy Road? Do you remember that? It was, it was three people. It was like Frogger, but in 3D. It's uh -huh. very popular uh, around Flappy Bird time, right? Okay. And just the, I just, it was very startup-ish. You had to know the customer. You had to know, you had to be a developer. You had to do all these things. And I feel like that's some of the exposure you may have gotten. I was like, oh, I, I like working directly with customers and writing code. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean it was it was for companies that no longer exist, but it was mostly in the gaming space and 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 kind of kind of building on that community with new games or new like competitions around like sporting events where you get people to kind of play more sports and incentivize things like free throw competitions. So that's kind of one of the apps that built and then a couple of other games that built. And you do kind of talk to your customers directly and that's you know that's when kind of talking to my friend got me excited is okay, that part of the the job I really enjoy and and there's there is a role for that in the industry and, and that's what got me over. Was it Java or Unreal? Java. Game. Java, oh. yeah, yeah. It so, was it was uh, yeah. It was like it was Java, it was Eclipse, it was before Android Data Studio Android yeah. Studio 
come out as like really wow. you know, age i'm aging myself here but yeah it was yeah. it was when Good for you. that was not easy to write games a game loop in <laughs> yeah the 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 tools weren't as robust as they were and the emulators were garbage <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is it like doing product management at AWS? I think it's been great. I've, you know, I think I've enjoyed enjoyed it thoroughly. It's 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 a it's a mix of you know working with customers, working with your team members, thinking big. You know, always trying to come up with how are we going to grow the business beyond what we're doing today. So thinking outside the box, thinking big, but at the same time staying grounded, staying focused at what your customers are looking for, because you know AWS largest cloud provider out there. Some of the, the biggest applications that we use today is powered by AWS, right? So you kind of talk to those customers every day. And I absolutely love, you know, when I go talk to the customer, I'm like, here's a challenge we have, or here's a feature we need for this use case. And sometimes I'm actually using that application and I can, you know, go tell my friends once that customer is a public reference and be like, hey, this is the customer I worked with. Here's the features as a product manager I drove. Uh, and I got those customers to go use this product, which I think is a very, you know, it's a good, warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh, it's obviously challenging. There's a lot of unknowns that you deal with and there's there's uh, ambiguity that you kind of need to power through. But I think the, AD, the product role at AWS gives you this breadth of thinking big, working with customers, focusing on how to grow the business and getting deep into the on the technical side of things as you develop those features, which I which I absolutely love. I love that. And that has to be such a good feeling when you actually ship something and are able to tell people how you were involved in that process. Uh, do you have exactly. a, do you have a favorite story of that or the thing that you're most proud of? Oh, it's a good one. Do I have a favorite one? Yeah, it's actually um uh, I don't know, like do you guys use Venmo, the payment app? Oh yeah. Um so, yeah, yeah. So you know, this is this public reference, right? So they use one of the AWS uh, services called Document DB and this is before when I was in key spaces, I used to be a product manager on Document DB. And one of the things they were doing is, you know, migrating one of their Mongo workloads to Document DB, where anytime you send kind of payment to friends or you view the feed of all the activities you've done with friends is all, you know, available on the app. And the database that I worked on essentially backs that now. So, you know, anytime you send anything to your friends or you add a friend or view what your friends are doing or what your history looks like. All of that is powered by Document DB, which is the product I used to be a product manager for. Uh, so yeah, we did the, an interview. Uh, doc, that's doc, right. Doc, yeah, yeah, an episode. Yeah. So so I think that's like stories like that, right? That one's my favorite because, you know, I was kind of involved with that customer from the start and worked on some stuff that they needed and helped help them through their migration. Uh, so, you know, choke around with my friends. It's like, use Venmo more because they're using my product more, which is great. That is incredible. Is there anything, it, what is it like being a product manager from start to finish or stepping into a service that has already existed? I, I imagine you've probably done a little bit of both. What What are the things you keep in mind with those different scenarios? That's a really good question. And there's no like cookie cutter answer to this, right? Because some some services could have existed existed for 10 20 years and some could have existed for maybe one or two years and stepping into something that's already launched comes with a different set of challenges like for instance if you go join a service that's relatively new that maybe has not established product customer fit you're spending a lot of time trying to figure out okay what's our sweet spot what's our market uh, niche market looking like like where do we need to like double down triple down quadruple down right you're spending a lot of your time and your energy there because those are the challenges. You're really trying to get the product 
customer fit down because you know everything else kind of follows after that. Now, if you go join a service that's been in the market for 5, 10, 15 years, theoretically, they've figured out product customer fit by then. So then it's a little less about trying to nail that down. You're always trying to expand into verticals, but you know what you're good at and you know what you're bad at. And you've already figured out you know, what, what, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And at that point, it becomes more about how do you, uh, you know, work with customers to take them to the next level with the service? Like, what are some use cases that you're not thinking of? What, how can we innovate on the behalf of the customer? And then those are the challenges you focus on. It's a little bit different depending on, you know, whether you're joining a newer service, newer product, or like a more mature service, more mature product. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we have so many services here. Do you get the question, why do you, you like databases so much? You know, I what do. What is data? Why did you choose that as a, as a career? I, I do, and I actually have friends who make fun of me because, you know, databases have existed for, for a while, and they're always like, well, it's like just a database, right? Like, that's, that's so boring. And oh, you know, that's I think it's a simplified view of that. <laughs> it, it really is, right? Especially when you think, look at like, you know, AI and ML and all the stuff, you know, at some point, crypto was a big thing and then blockchain was a big thing. It's like, all that is new, right? And it's like, no, I really enjoy databases. And I think it's fundamentally, everyone needs a database, uh, regardless of what kind of application you're building. It's, it's really fundamental. And data is always growing. Customers are storing more and more data. And data really powers the world, both because applications need it, but the insights you get from your data helps you make business decisions that you could not do without that data, right? And I think that's what really excites me about databases is it's so fundamental, it's so foundational that you know the needs, the needs not going away and customers are always trying to do more and more with it. And I think that just really gets me excited because every day you come in and there's a new use case which needs a database and you're always trying to keep yourself kind of tooled up and sharp for that new use case. Uh, and that's why, you know, database is kind of the sweet spot for me. been doing it, I think, pretty much I've done databases and analytics in my career. So still enjoy it, still plan to keep doing it. That's amazing. Databases are one of these things that we, we kind of tend to overlook as baseline or it's just another component, but they are so complex. And when you think about it, it is absolutely fundamental to any application, as you were saying. You, If you don't have the, a great database and the ability to pull information from and put information into that database, good luck. Uh, yep. <laughs> you're going to have a bad time. Exactly. What exactly is Keyspaces, Amazon Keyspaces? Yeah, so Amazon Keyspaces is AWS's fully managed uh, Cassandra-compatible compa database service. It's serverless, so you don't have to manage any instances or deal with clusters, uh, and it, it scales to virtually any limit, right? You can perform millions of reads and writes, petabytes of storage capacity, and essentially single-digit millisecond read and write query latency at any scale. So if you're looking for a database that's Cassandra-compatible, serverless, scales for the most mission-critical applications and, you know, really delivers on that promise of a robust database, Keyspaces is kind of your answer, right? And like I mentioned, Cassandra's growing, you know, Keyspaces being Cassandra-compatible, really double-clicks and onto that community, maybe through integration with things like Spark or through Kafka or, you know, any of the other Apache projects as well. So that's another one to kind of keep in mind 
as as you look at key spaces. Who would use key spaces, or or why would they use it? Yeah, so um, key spaces fundamentally is a NoSQL database store. So if you have a key value like querying needs where you're storing unstructured or semi-structured data and you have key value lookups where, you know, key could be an ID or pick your favorite kind of partition key or, or key just generally and you want to do lookups efficiently across terabytes, gigabytes, terabytes or petabytes of data, you would use key spaces. Key spaces positions itself as a Cassandra compatible database. So if you're using Cassandra or are interested in using Cassandra for any new applications, you could also consider using key spaces. And finally, if you're trying to gonna double click into that Apache ecosystem of all the Apache projects, you're trying to look for a database that sits well with these Apache projects, uh, you should also consider using key spaces. So I think those are the three kind of fundamental primary use cases or reasons why we see customers adopt use cases. Could you speak about the speed and scale of key spaces? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the way key spaces is architected is that the compute and storage are decoupled. So for instance, if you have millions of reads and writes, but only gigabytes of data, you're able to achieve that on key spaces. If you try to do something like that on an instance, you may have to have an over-provisioned instance because you have a lot of reads and writes, but very little storage. But in key spaces, compute and storage is decoupled, giving you that ability to achieve virtually limitless scale on one or the other. Um, and you explicitly only pay for the resources you use, right? So we have some of our largest customers doing double-digit, triple-digit millions of reads and writes per second. Per second, Whoa. not even per minute, right? Like imagine the amount of traffic you'd be putting through your app and then storing petabytes of storage capacity as, as their data grows. So, you know, if you're looking for any kind of operationally important workloads that needs a database that scales, uh, KeySpaces is, is a very good solution for you. The differentiator that we have is your query performance. You, you asked about speed. Speed doesn't slow down as your workload grows. So let's say you went from 10 terabytes to 100 terabytes. We're yeah. not slowing your queries down. We're automatically scaling all the resources required for you under the hood. And you still continue to get that single digit millisecond query latency. We're, we're talking about like pretty much B99s of less than 10 milliseconds for both reads and writes. So, you know, that's where we kind of hit the sweet spot on large mission critical enterprise workloads. So you can trust that once you land on key spaces, as your data grows, you still get the same scale. Possible. How, how do you maintain that speed at that scale? I mean, I'm trying to fathom this. It's just so much. And to maintain speed, it seems wild to me. Yeah, so key spaces can both scale up and scale out, right? So one of the things we do uh, very well on key spaces is kind of our horizontal scale out where we're able to scale out the storage partitions under the hood as your workload grows in 10 gigabyte increments. So with every 10 gigabyte extra data that you put into key spaces, we're giving you additional storage partitions that scale out. And because we're able to scale out, that's no limits on your partition. So you can have thousands and thousands and thousands of partitions. With each partition, you get the ability to store about 10 gigs of data and, and a few thousand reads and writes. And we take care of that for you, right? So you don't have to worry about, hey, can you go increase my partition count from four to 10? We do it for you. It's automatic and it's fully serverless. So that's how we're able to guarantee that. Uh, we actually have underlying control plane systems on our side that is constantly monitoring a customer's workload and performing underlying infrastructure ac actions. For instance, if they're running out of resources, we'll give yeah. them more resources without them having to ask for it. So it's it's truly auto scaling. Like you actually don't ever have to go to the console 
and perform an action for scaling on key spaces. Wow. And that was my next question. Is this, when I go into the console itself, is that SLA that's just a given or do I see, you know, price performance? Are there different tiers? Is this just, how does that look for me as a customer? Yeah. So when you go to the console, what you create is essentially a table. So you're not creating an instance, you're not creating a cluster, you're just creating a table. And you can create this table in two different modes. So you can either create this table in on-demand mode, or you can create it in provision mode. And if you create it in on-demand mode, that means we truly scale on-demand, it's automatic, you have no limit to your resources. Uh, right. Some customers like to have constraints. They want to make sure they're only provisioning certain amount of resources. Those customers can go use the provision mode where you specify how much throughput you need. And we give you that exact amount of throughput uh, also with auto scaling turned on. We have an SLA of four nines on availability for single regions and then five nines if you're using a multi-region deployment, which we can talk about more. Yeah. You talked a little bit about differentiators. Are there other things that it's doing? Is this integrating with other AWS services as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about some of the differentiators on scale and performance, right? Where you get virtually limitless scale and single digit query latency across your kind of data sizes. One of the things Keyspaces really uh, does really well is integrate with services such as Glue. So you can use the uh, Cassandra Spark connector, which Keyspaces is compatible with, to integrate Spark on Glue with Keyspaces. I mean, Spark could be running anywhere. It could be running on EMR. It could be on Glue. It could be our own solution. But anywhere you're running Spark and in AWS, we often suggest customers to use Glue. Uh, you're able to integrate that natively with Keyspaces. Keyspaces also integrates with IAM. So you don't have to set up your own kind of auth and auth C. With, with IAM, you're able to manage your user authentication and authorization all through one centralized place. And finally, you know, we have the standard kind of AWS integration system around CloudWatch, CloudTrail, and private link endpoints for security. So if you're using CloudWatch, obviously we have several, several CloudWatch metrics that you can use. You can audit your uh, DDL events through CloudTrail Cloud and set up secure connections through private link endpoints right out of the box with Keyspaces. Amazing. What does DDL stand for? Uh, DDL is essentially, to simplify DDL, right, it's essentially any of the, the data operations such as create table, update table, delete table, alter table, log into a database, log out of a database, etc. So there are two, there's two types of operations as a data definition language operations, which is the DDL ones, and then data manipulation language operations, which is the DML ones, such as insert data, delete data, update data. DDL essentially points to the former where you want to audit, let's say, who created a, a table. You're able to do that or who logged into my database. You're able to do that. A, okay. Data, okay it's, it's a data awesome. definition language, essentially. It's a, it's, a data, it's a database term. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing... What I, from what I imagine, the people who would really benefit from this would be people like airlines, banks, where you're doing so many transactions. Is that a, a good assumption or is there any kind of surprising industry that would benefit from this? Honestly, anyone who has high volume of data benefits yeah. from key spaces, right? So one of the surprises that we've had is we've seen really strong adoption also for IoT use cases. So our customers course. are interested in like, you know, there's a lot of sensor data coming in. 
And it's kind of cyclical, right? Like you'll have a lot of data at a certain time of the day and you won't have that data coming in for other parts of the day because maybe it's nighttime and your sensors are not sending that much data. Something like that on an instance that always needs to run is not even cost efficient. So because we're serverless, you only pay for the number of reads and writes and we scale automatically. We're seeing a decent amount of use cases that are kind of sensor data, time, time scale data, those kind of data sets where you know, you have a massive number of rights and you need a database that can handle it. Uh, you mentioned kind of banks or fintech, like definitely that's, we have some like case studies like Intuit who migrated a bunch of data to key spaces. So that's definitely a use case. Uh, and then entertainment, right? Like we have custom, like customers in, in the space where you have millions of users kind of, you know, using various services kind of in the entertainment industry where you have you know your database traffic scales as the number of users scale on your platform Uh, so they also need a database that doesn't really have read or write limits so that's another one that's been uh, popping up more and more with time incredible i understand that amazon key spaces just launched multi-region replication can you talk to us more about that absolutely so multi-region replication was our number one feature request for a while. And for folks who don't know how feature requests work at AWS, so anytime customers ask us for a specific feature A, B, or C, like pick your favorite feature, we, we keep it in the centralized place. We, you know, keep scores of which one is most requested, second most requested, etc. So since the launch of the service, which was 2020, around COVID, I forget, it's a little blurry, but Q2 The past three years for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What yes. is time? <laughs> what is time? Uh, so we launched we launched KeySpaces then. I think since launch, it's it's kind of just jumped up to our list as a top feature request. So we just added support for multi-region. Is there any reason why someone should not use MRR? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I think one thing you know, it's always good to be transparent. Like it does come with extra cost, right? So let's say you go from let's say you had one table in US East one, and now you hear about this feature, and now we wanna replicate that to US East 2 or US West 1 for resiliency or uh, recovery from disaster, uh, disasters such as regional degradation, because that's interesting to you. But now we've got to keep in mind that you're going to have a copy of your data sitting in the other data center. So if you used to have 100 terabytes before, now you have 200 terabytes and you have to pay for that extra copy of data. Uh, similarly for writes, right? Anytime you write in one region, you're also writing in the other region. So you're paying we charge, you know, per rights for every million rights you get, you build, oh, you get build a certain amount. So you do, you do need to kind of keep that in mind. And some customers don't have strong requirements uh, where they need to replicate data across regions. So you know, if you, if you're someone like that and you're happy with the four nines SLA because one region still provides you with four nines of SLA, then you can keep using that, right? But if you want that extra recovery, if you have a global application like Amazon has with its e-commerce app, and you know you're okay paying for that extra copy of data or extra rights, then you should use multi-region replication. So you know, really, it's a trade-off between: do I really want that resiliency because it's gonna cost me a little bit extra, or do I want to? Um, you know, build that myself. We always recommend it, but always keep in mind it's extra cost. The speeds are incredible. To have a five nines SLA at that speed across multiple regions is kind of blowing my mind. I love that. Thank you. Now that you have this feature out, what's next? What's got the team excited? What's uh, if there's anything you can share on the roadmap? Where where's your head at with all this? 
Yeah, absolutely. So given we're a Cassandra compatible database, it should be no surprise that, you know, all the things that we're working on kind of mirrors all the awesome open source projects uh, or open source ideas that, that are floating around in the Cassandra community. So if you just look at Cassandra, the Apache Cassandra project, they added support for version 4.0, uh, I want to say 2021, and then 4.1 was last year. And they're working on 5.0 uh, this year slash early next year. So these are all Cassandra versions. And some of them have some really cool features. And these are features that Keyspaces customers are also asking for. So that's what's got the team excited, right? Like with this momentum in the Cassandra community, they're doing some amazing work, the Apache Cassandra community. So, you know, that's what that's what got the team excited with the growing ecosystem of features, I, I think it's, it's something you should expect the Key Spaces product to also, in the fullness of uh, time, have. We're also always making migrations easier. So we are in the business of migrations. We do see a lot of customers migrating from databases such as SillaDB, such as Open Source Cassandra, because they want to go to a fully managed service, uh, and in some cases, also relational databases. So we're always looking to improve migrations. Uh, and that's another area that's gotten the team very excited and one where you know, we're trying to kind of change the game a little bit, simplify that as much as possible. Uh, we have some tools, we're always making them better, essentially, is what I'm saying. And then outside of that, always working backwards from customers, we're always improving security, availability, and performance. So with time, you know, expect key spaces to keep getting faster, keep getting more secure, uh, and keep getting more and more durable with, with higher availability. Great. I, and I love the, the open source story that you all have and how you're working uh, with the Apache projects themselves. Where can, uh, where can folks find you, both, both you as well as uh, information about Amazon Key Spaces? Yeah, so um, folks can reach out to me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is meet underscore Bogdave. If folks want to reach out to me over email, uh, my email is pretty simple, three letters, mbh at amazon.com. Uh, always excited to hear from our customers as to what they're trying to do. So feel free to feel free to reach out to me via email or Twitter. If you want to learn more about Keyspaces, you can go to our product page. It's essentially, just go to the AWS Amazon.AWS.com. I think that's right URL. Search for Keyspaces. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, so check out our product page, and we have some really good getting started tutorials linked from that as well. So if you want to learn more about how to get started, it's free to use for three months. We have a free trial, so give it a shot. You can use it straight from the console, no experience required. Uh, if you just go through our tutorial, which we promise to be less than five minutes, uh, you'll be up and running with your first database on Keyspaces for free, you know, all through the browser. So that's, that's what I would suggest uh, awesome. if you're looking to learn more or get started. Incredible. I am jealous of your alias and email, I have to say. It's all thanks to my manager. When I started, he's like, do you want the cool alias or do you want the machine-generated one? I'm like, uh, obviously, I'm going to take the cool one. And he's like, do you want a three-letter one? And I'm like, sure, why not? So awesome. He gets all the credit. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Super appreciate you and everything you're doing on behalf of our customers. It's been wonderful Happy. having you. Thank you. It's great chatting with you too as well.